This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all glad to be here this morning? You know, this is the day the Lord has made. So praise God, we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. Can you say amen? Amen. So what I want you to do with me is uh, we're going to pray together and then uh, let's just prepare our hearts to receive from heaven. Let's just not let this be another Sunday. Well, you know, I made it to church. Thank God. You know, I mean, they changed the time on me and it was rough, but I made it. No, it's not that at all. We're here to honor the king, to worship him and to learn to sit as it were at his feet. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for our church. We thank you for the church family. We thank you, Lord God, for our names being written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you for this incredible, incredible plan that you put in place through your son, the Lord Jesus, to redeem our lives from destruction and, Father, to give us life and life more abundant. So we come, Father, to honor you. We magnify your name. We thank you for what you're doing in the earth. And, Father, it is with an anticipation and a blessed hope that we look for the return of your son, the Lord Jesus. And with that, Father God, our eyes are on you. And we thank you, Lord God, for our lives that we have in you, what it is that you've done or doing, and not only that, but what you're going to do. So we just thank you as we prepare our hearts to receive from you, from the Holy Ghost, that which is needful, that which we need in our lives. And Father, I just thank you for your blessing in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's all say this together. For the Lord is good. good. And his mercy endures forever. Think about that as we say it one more time. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger. How many are you glad for that? And of tender mercy. Hallelujah. The Lord is good to all. Let me say that one more time. The Lord is good to all. And all and his tender mercies are over all his works. For one more time, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Aren't you glad for that? Thank God he's good to all. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you shake someone else's hand one more time, then you can be seated. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Father. If you brought a Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it to John's Gospel, chapter 3, third chapter of the book of, or the Gospel of John. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all ready to receive something from heaven today? I believe that he's got a message for you. Amen. I mean, praise God. You... Uh, God is in the habit sometimes where you can just be minding your own business and all of a sudden he shows up and man, you weren't looking for that at all, but it's a good thing. Amen. Kind of sneaks up on you. So I believe he's going to sneak up on every one of us today. Amen. You say, Hmm, that could be interesting. Yes, it will. Amen. 
Praise God. I, let me begin by making this statement to you. I mean, I know, you know, maybe intellectually or academically we know this, but you know what? God loves you so much. I mean, beyond comprehension, the Bible makes reference to how much he loves you as a person, as a, a child of his. I mean, you know, obviously, if, if you're born again, you're his child. And he cares about you so very, very, very much in all of your life, no matter. And really, at the end of the day, dude, it doesn't make any difference what you're doing, right or wrong. His love is unconditional. And so he's going to love you whether you're flying, you know, like you're supposed to be or if you're upside down, inverted. He still loves you the same. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent him because he loved you and he loved me. Now, this scripture that we're reading here, John chapter 3 and 16, highly celebrated, well known, but we're using it as our text. And I want you to, again, read it with me. It says that, for God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say, he gave. He gave. Yeah, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish Hallelujah. But have everlasting life. That they would not perish, but that they would have everlasting life. How many of you are glad today, this morning, praise God, that you're not going to perish? You know, there are, a lot of there are a lot of people in the world that are perishing. And unfortunately, they need the gospel. They need the message that you and I have had the privilege to both know and understand. And so when you think about that and you see what's going on in the world, you have to understand that, you know, sin is what's killing everyone. Sin. That's just simply disobedience to God. And so all of the corruption, the greed, all of the messed upness that you know that you, you happen to see within the world in which we're living today, it's the result of sin. And, you know, the Bible says, Apostle Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that people who do not know Christ are lost, and they don't know it. Are you listening to me? Yeah. And so thank God you and I have the privilege of being the messengers that can come and communicate the truth where their lives are concerned. And again, you know, that's, that's exactly why Jesus came, so that he could redeem mankind out from under the penalty and the slavery of sin, thank God, and redeem our lives from destruction. How many of you are glad you're redeemed? Amen. You're not going to be redeemed. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you are redeemed. Now, Pastor Brian's been talking about victory. And uh, thank God, you know, we were gone for quite a bit. I didn't see all of the things. We were here last week and listened to that message. It was awesome, you know, to have victory in Christ. And what I'm talking about is not only just having, but living in victory as a child of God. I was never so glad when I got born again to discover the simple fact that Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant so that I could have a life not only that was pleasing to him, but a life, praise God, that had meaning and had fulfillment for me personally as an individual. That's what Jesus came to give each and every person. Glory to God. So we talked about this, and I think that Pastor Brian had communicated this quite well, but it is, it is the will of God 
for every one of his children to walk or to live in victory. Can you say amen? I mean, every one of them. You know, now there's a lot of different theology and things out there, you know, that teach all kinds of things, you know, and and whatever the case might be. And we're not here to argue that point today. I'm just telling you that from the scriptures, we have a clear message from our heavenly father that he wants you to live in victory, that your life can be blessed. Hallelujah. You know, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and 57, it says, now thanks be unto God. Well, what are we thanking God for? who gives us the victory. Everybody say victory. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory belongs to you and me as a result of what Jesus did for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Everybody say it together. I've got the victory. Amen. And, as, and because Paul said we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, he then goes on to admonish us and says, Therefore, be ye steadfast and unmovable and always, everybody say always, always abounding in the work of the Lord for or because you know that your labor is never in vain in the Lord. Glory to God. Thank God for his victory. Can you say amen? amen? He wants us to be victorious in life. But let me ask you a question this morning here. What does it mean to live in victory? What does it mean? I mean, how would, how would you define that? I mean, if, if, if he says he gives us the victory, how does that get flushed out? That's a great question, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, in other words, how is it... it realistically experienced in the life of any believer, any child of God, we as his people. What does that mean? Well, I think, first of all, it would say, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things we talk about, but thank God you'd have dominion and authority over sin and death. Remember the apostle Paul said that sin shall not have dominion over you. So again, by definition, sin simply means being disobedient to God. So anything that we do that doesn't please him would be sin. But thank God again, he's given us dominion over, and, and he, it says that sin shall not have dominion over you. So thank God we don't have to be bound. Amen? He's made us free. He's redeemed us. Praise God. And not only that, it would mean that we're obeying God. You know, if you're having victory, you're obeying God and following the path that he has set out for you, whatever that might be, whatever the calling is that's in your life, that you have the peace of God, which is the result of having peace with God. I mean, people that have peace with God, they got victory. And not only that, but they enjoy the peace of God. They're not worried and knotted up and all kinds of concerned about this because they have learned. Huh? The Bible says not to be careful for anything. Never be anxious about anything. You say, well, you know, you can't do that. Dear God, I mean, we're living in this world. It's messed up. Don't you know? Haven't you seen? Yep, 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 and yep. But the reality is, is he said, don't ever be anxious about anything. You remember how many times in Jesus' earthly ministry where people came to him and they had all kinds of problems and they were stirred up and knotted up about whatever, and, and not one time do you, ever say, do you ever see Jesus going, oh my God, that, that, I never thought about that. That's a tough one. I'm not sure what we're going to be able to do there. Never once. 
And even in his own life, in his own ministry, people were trying to kill him, literally. And they'd make conspiracy against him and try to set these traps and all these different kinds of things. And not once do you ever see Jesus going, wow, I don't think I can handle this. No, thank God he had the the one on the inside of him, just like you do, that he could look to, praise God, and have the answers that he needed for whatever circumstance that he was in. So you have the peace of God and peace with God. Uh, We could say that if people are having victory in their life, that their marriage and their relationships with others are strong and healthy. Wouldn't, Wouldn't that define some level of victory where our lives are concerned? You know, that there's a godliness that exists within our lives. How about if your, your kids, they're, they're following you and they're submitting themselves to you the same way as you out of reverence for Christ? Let me qualify that just a minute because <clears throat> I know Many times as believers, you know, we raise our kids, they, they come to an age of accountability and they get out on their own and maybe they don't necessarily decide they're going to follow you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then if we're not careful, we go down this path in our thought life that, you know, what I do wrong? Where did I fail? What, I, what should I have done different? All these different kinds of things. Well, I think that we can probably all say that there are things in raising our kids that we could have done different. But the reality is, is that we brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as much as we know. Now they have a choice. Did you hear me? They have a choice how they're going to live, what it is that they're going to do. So if they decide not to follow, that's on them, not you. Are you listening to me? Now, thank God we can pray for them and ask God to open up the eyes of their understanding so that they can understand and see the plan of God. But I mean, at the end of the day, they have become responsible. Can you say amen? Amen. I use this example. uh, I've used it before. I'll use it again, you know, but... um, uh, Reverend Jack Hayford, he's already gone on to be with the Lord. But, you know, as a minister, he had, uh, I think he said, 52 or 54 uh, family members, immediate family members, aunts, uncles, kids, you know, cousins and that type of thing. And out of the 54, 52 of them were living for God. I mean, I mean, actively, obviously living for the Lord. But one of them had become a homosexual and the other one, I don't remember what her circumstance was. So anyway, he's going down the 405 there in California and he's praying, Lord, you know, what, 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 what did I do wrong? What do we do wrong? Why is this, you know, the way it is where these two individuals in our family, he cared about them. He wanted God's best for them. Huh? You know, he said, where'd I go wrong? And, and the Lord spoke to him in that moment, driving down the interstate there, you know, the freeway. And, and the Lord asked him the question, where did I go wrong with Adam? I mean, the Lord gave Adam everything, you know, and he set the parameters for the relationship that he wanted to have with him. And, and Adam chose to break it. Huh? Well, as they're going down, as he's going, driving down the road, he said, uh, he said, where did I go wrong with Israel? He says, I was a husband to them and they essentially divorced me. I mean, you know, he said, where'd I go wrong there? 
Even though he had told them everything they needed to know, even though he had expressed his love and shown himself so mighty in their lives, they made decisions based upon their own heart and different things of that nature. And then finally, the Lord spoke to, to Jack and said, where'd I go wrong with Lucifer? We don't think about these things sometimes. But you know, that's why the Bible says that you and I are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Can you say amen? And thank God we can pray for people. But anyway, I just wanted to qualify that in talking about having victory in your lives, you know, when your kids are following you and submitting themselves and so on and so forth. But not only that, uh, well, let's move on. There's other things I could talk about. But <clears throat> even though it's the will of God for all of his children to live and to walk in victory, you and I both know not everybody's doing that. I'm talking about Christians, about believers. And a lot of times, you know, because of religious thinking or maybe just human reasoning, different things of that nature, you know, we either make excuses or, you know, this, that, or the other. But I'm telling you that apart from all of that, your heavenly Father wants you as a child of God to be victorious and live within the grace that he has provided for you. And now, <clears throat> talking about that, you know, when we say that people aren't living in victory, here's some examples of that. Christians who continue to have chronic problems in their lives, you know, maybe it's in their marriages, you know, they're, they're, they're not getting the victory. Listen, there, there's something needs to change. And a lot of times people will say, well, yeah, it's the other person. And if they just get their act together, then this wouldn't be so difficult. Well, um, it stands to reason that probably they may have a few idiosyncrasies, but there might be a possibility that there's a few issues with you. Now, I know that's a stretch for us to have to consider, but think about it. Hallelujah. Drugs, alcohol, they continue to control people's lives. You know, I mean, I'm talking about Christians. People, they end up buying the lie. You know, they're smoking dope or they're doing, uh, you know, drinking or whatever. And they say, well, you know, a little of this and that and the other ain't going to hurt anything. I was thinking about that statement that I just made to you. And I thought about Whitney Houston. Why don't you ask her if a little of this or that or the whatever ever hurt her? She's not with us anymore. But you know what? That girl grew up in a church, singing in the choir, singing specials. God anointed her. I mean, you know, you talk about a voice. And now she didn't live out the full length of her days. Drugs and alcohol and everything else, they killed her. So the next time somebody wants to argue with me about, you know, a little drinking here and there doesn't hurt anything, I don't even want to talk to you. I grew up in an alcoholic home. My dad died of cirrhosis of the liver. We, we um, missed out on a lot. And we didn't have a lot of the advantages that other people would have had because he drank it all away. So again, you know, the Bible tells us to avoid all appearance of evil. Are you with me? And so don't buy the lie that, you know, a little of this or a little of that won't make any difference. You know, people say, well, you don't have to be so prudish. It's not about, it's not about being a prude. It's about obeying God. It's, it's, it's about being a witness. It's about living your life in a godly kind of way. 
Are you listening to me? And dear friend, I tell you what, he's given you victory over that. But the devil, he is a master liar. And he'll tell you all kinds of things. So thank God we can have his word and we can do better than that. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> another thing about not having victory is when, you know, you have homes where there's verbal abuse or even physical abuse in the home, you know, and, and, and typically that happens to the people that are closest to us. I remember we had this one couple in our church, and you know, we usually think about physical abuse where the husband is mistreating the wife. It was the other way around. She would whoop the fire out of this guy. And then they'd come in, you know, and they'd cry, and I'd talk to them, and I said, you know, I, don't remember, I won't remember, mention her name, but I said, man, you gotta quit doing this, you know? And here he is sitting there, you know, and, and she would just beat the living daylights out of this guy. Because she didn't, you know, whatever. That's what carnal life will do to people. Are you with me? You say, well, whatever happened? Well, I said, I think she kind of toned down. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? No, praise God. We sing the song, or used to at least. I found a new way of living, a new life divine. Love, joy, health, peace. Jesus made them mine. Hallelujah. God wants you to live in victory. Glory to God. Amen. And, and you know, when people behave like that, then they wonder why life isn't any better. Well, you know, take a, get a clue. You know, a lot of times people, I'm talking about Christians, we're talking about living in victory, but you know, unforgiveness. Did you hear me? Unforgiveness or jealousy, you know, rises up, they harbor it in their hearts. Somebody did this, that, or the other. People say, well, I just can't forgive them. No, it's not that you can't, you don't want to. Thanks for your enthusiasm. But that's the truth. Now, I'm not saying it's not a battle. You know, sometimes people do some pretty mean and ugly things. And a lot of times we end up being mistreated. But Jesus was mistreated. And they did a lot of mean and ugly things to him. And yet he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Well, if he did that, then you and I can do that. Not on our own, but, be, but because of and with him, we can do all things again through Christ who strengthens us. And you have to understand that we are in a battle. There is a war going on for your heart. The territory of your being is being assaulted by hell to try to kill, steal, and destroy everything that belongs to you as a child of God. That's why the Bible says you've got to resist the devil. And I know that's not easy, but I tell you what, praise God, he wants you to stand up and take your place and declare who you are in Christ and not give the devil an inch. Are you listening to me? So you have to, first of all, recognize where it is that this might be coming from. We're talking about living in victory. How many of you like that idea? I want you to live in victory. Pastor Brian and Rachel, they want you to have victory in your life. Praise God. Instead of all this up and down and in and out and whatever, you know, you know, uh, you're not, you don't have victory if you're speaking disparagingly of others and being judgmental. Thanks. I knew that you would be excited about that. 
You know, we have our opinions about this person and that person and, you know, so on and so forth. Oh, they, I mean, I can't believe they do that. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they done that. Well, maybe you don't know what's going on in their lives. Maybe you don't know about what pair of shoes that they're in. How would you have fared? Well, we don't know. And really, we don't even need to ask the question. We just praise God. If, if, if we have a problem with someone, let's pray for them. Say, Father, I just want to lift up so-and-so. God, they need your grace. And Father, God, I ask you to give me utterance in the Holy Ghost and pray for them. Hallelujah. That's a whole lot better than talking about them. You still glad you came to church? Okay, good. All right. It gets better as we go. But sometimes you've got to go through the territory. Are you listening to me? So, so, so what if, what if, what if, you know, there was one thing that maybe we could direct our attentions toward or focus on that would give us the victory over whatever, whatever our personal challenge, whatever it is that might be going on in our lives right now that maybe isn't up to par. What if there was, you know, just, just, just one thing, you know? It's like Jack Palance in that show, uh, City Slickers. How many of you have seen that movie? He's out there with, uh, who was that guy? Billy Crystal. And he says, yeah, you come out here, you guys out of the city, you know, and you, you, know, you got your rope all knotted up, and you think in two weeks you're going to get everything straightened out. And he, you know, and so he says, you know, there's just one thing. You know, just one thing you need to you get, get figured out. And so... Billy says, well, what's the one thing? He says, that's what you've got to figure out, you know. So anyway, so I'm just saying, what's the one thing here? All right, well, stay with me. I'll tell you. Praise God. You know, here's the thing, you guys. We all have baggage. Huh? You know of anybody that's perfect besides yourself? Huh? We all got all kinds of things, you know, in areas in our lives that, that, that need to be fixed. And people will often judge. They'll say, well, yeah, bless God, they ought to have that figured out by now. Well, they don't. Okay? So put down your rocks, you righteous thing, you. Are you listening to me? We got baggage. So it's important to realize this, too, that you're not going to fix this by yourself. If you don't rely on him, Jesus, if Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing, where does that leave you and me? Huh? So it's not something you're going to do on your own. You need his help. We need his help. Everybody say, I need his help. Yeah, you need his help. And guess what? He wants to give it to you. Oh, how he wants to give it to you. And he wants to provide everything that you have. So regardless of our circumstance or situation, God's provided you with everything that you need to walk in victory. You say, but then how come I'm not doing that? Well, that's a great question. And again, we're going to try to uh, identify just one thing that we can look to to make that happen. But you need to understand this. You have been chosen by him. You know, people, people say, well, I found God. Well, actually, God found you, you know, if the truth be told. He just showed up, and you said yes. You were smart enough to say yes. But the reality is, is that you and I have been chosen, and we have been called by him for a divine purpose. And within that purpose is for you to be able to have good success, 
to be able to live your life in a way that is honorable to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. He made this statement to the disciples. How many, how many disciples do we have here this morning? Huh? He said, you didn't cho- choose me. I chose you. This is in John chapter 15 and verse 16. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit to be a fruit bearer, hallelujah, and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. You know, we have a tendency to kind of judge, not kind of, we have a tendency to judge ourselves in the light of our failures. Any of you had any failings? Huh? Any of you messed things up, did things you shouldn't do? But the unfortunate thing is we have a tendency to judge ourselves in the light of our failings instead of what Jesus promised and what it is that he's done for us. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? We're all going to make mistakes. All of us have made mistakes and probably will make a few more before it's over with. But yet right on the other hand, he loves us with an everlasting love. He is for us every time. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You know, now I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13, and we're going we're gonna to look at an incident in, in the life of the disciples and an encounter, I guess you could say, uh, that they had had with Jesus. This is just prior to his going to the cross and suffering. John chapter 13, this is a bit of a a lengthy reading. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it's going to read differently than maybe if you brought a Bible with you this morning, but they'll have it up here on the screens. You can take a look at it. Notice with me in verse 1, John chapter 13, verse 1, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour uh, had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was, it was supper, it was time for supper. Now it's an interesting thing, but King James says that he rose after supper. So did he, did he have this conversation with them prior to or after? I'd like to suggest to you that maybe they'd already had supper, they'd had communion, he'd showed them, this is my body, this is my blood that is broken and shed for you. But I don't know that it necessarily matters. But anyway, the Bible says it was time for supper and devil, uh, the devil had already prompted Judas, uh, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and then he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Now when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Huh? And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Peter said, no, you're you're not doing this. Now, let me, well, no, don't, don't, let's just keep going here and then I'll talk to you about it. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. 
And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you do not belong to me. Well, Simon then exclaimed, well, then wash my hands, my head, and everything else, not just my feet. And Peter replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, you're not all clean. So after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down again. He said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now, he wasn't necessarily talking about, you know, literally washing someone's feet. But it does, or it is an indicative of how it is that we are to respond to one another, how we are to love one another, how that we are to be servants of those that are around us. Can you say amen? amen. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. Peter had issues, okay? So in this moment, you know, everybody else, they're letting, they're letting Jesus do it, you know? But he gets to Peter, and Peter goes, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. So you gotta ask yourself, why was he so resistant to this? And, and I would like to suggest to you, it was because of pride. It was because maybe, maybe, embar- maybe both, embarrassment and pride. My God, Jesus, you're not gonna do this. I mean, no, uh-uh, you're, no. But that's not the way this works. And he just said, if I don't wash you, you're not, you're, not, you're not part of what I'm doing. And so then he went along with it. But <clears throat> so he, he had these issues. Now, let's back up three and a half years earlier to Jesus' encounter with Peter. And you remember the story because Peter, or Jesus was preaching uh, on the Sea of Galilee, the people were pressing upon him, backing him up into the, into the water. And so he's seen these two boats because Peter, James, and John and, and uh, his brother Andrew had just come back from fishing all night. So the boats were there. They're cleaning their nets. And he gets into one of them and asks, and it happened to be Peter's. He said, could you just, you know, uh, park out here a little ways and let me preach? So he got all done. Well, when he was finished... Then he talked to Peter and he says, go, go out into deeper water and let down your nets for a draft. And um, Peter just said, Lord, we've been out all night long, man, and we've worked our tails off and we didn't catch anything. But, you know, if you say so, nevertheless, it's your word, whatever. So it wasn't a matter of faith at all. He didn't have any confidence in this thing at all. So anyway, he goes out there and sure enough, here comes the fish. They fill up the net till they're breaking. He calls James and John, says, get out here and help us. And they're doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Peter, in this moment, realizes what it is that's going on. And the simple fact that God, or Jesus, is the one who is having this intimate, personal encounter with him. And he all of a sudden melts and says, 
Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. In other words, what he was really saying is, Lord, you got the wrong guy. I got so much baggage. I am so jacked and I am so messed up. And Jesus said, no, I don't have the wrong guy. I got the right guy. And I'm telling you, Jesus has the right guy in you too. Are you with me? You know, again, so much of the time we think about our own failings and our shortcomings and, and nobody knew that better than, than Peter. I mean, and, and he just said, I don't, I, I, I'm unqualified. Well, listen, we're all unqualified. If it weren't for the blood of Jesus, none of us would be in the place that we're in today. And so he says, no, I got the right guy. So that just means no matter what it is that you've done or haven't done, none of that has any bearing on the relationship that God wants to have with you. And it was overwhelming to the guy. So after it was all over with, they came to the shore, and the Bible says they forsook everything and started following him. That's pretty powerful. Are you with me? You know, he just said, I, I, I am not who you think I am. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. Now, three and a half years later, he's still got some work to do. He's been with Jesus, he's been in his ministry, but now he doesn't want him washing his feet, again, primarily because of pride. And then in this same moment, Jesus begins, you know, you have to read 13, 14, 15, 16, and the prayer of chapter 17 to kind of get the whole thing together. But, but um, in I think probably 14, he talks about the fact that he's going to leave and he's going to send the comforter. And, <clears throat> and Peter says, no, man, you can't. Why? why? Why can't we go with you? Wherever it is you're going, you know, I, I'm willing to die for you, you know. And he said, are you really? He said, before this night's over, you'll deny me three times. Oh, no. You know, I mean, he's pretty emphatic about it. That's the way we are sometimes. Oh, no. You know, I'm, I'm all in. But then when the rubber meets the road, we can't be found. Oh, my brother, my sister, be faithful to him. Are you listening to me? Faithlessness does not provide or produce blessing in your life. And while the world is being taken away, and so many even within the church are leaving and not attending to the things that be of God and the things of the kingdom of God and heaven coming to this earth, don't you be found as one of them. Tie yourself to the mast of Jesus' boat and say, this is where I'm staying. Are you listening to me? Because that's where the blessing is. People making all kinds of excuses. They're not in the church, banging around. It's, it's wrong, you guys. I'm just telling you. I mean, people have their, their reasons and this and that and the other, but God gave birth through the Lord Jesus Christ to the local church. And it is the place where the body of Christ is to be found. Are you with me? So don't ever let somebody tell you otherwise because it's not true. Woo! 
Well, I ain't taking that back. Where were we? Jesus' denial. Guess what? He denied him. And when he did that, you know, again, he's seen his, his flawed life. And he becomes so disillusioned. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, he, he, he let Jesus down. He, it happened exactly as Jesus said it was going to be. How many of you know he knows everything about us? Huh? But even though he knows everything about us, he knows what we're going to do, he still loves us in a way that is uncomprehendable. When he was raised from the dead and he talked to the girls about his resurrection and things, he said, you tell Peter. That's personal. I'll see him in Galilee. So even though, you know, Peter is a wreck, Jesus said, no, you're mine. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You know, you think about your own life and, you know, maybe how, you know, whatever it is that you haven't done right or wrecked this or that or the other, man, God is still for you. He's still on your side. I tell you what, we'll make mistakes and he'll say, that's okay, let's do it again. Let's get it right. Are you listening to me? Now, here again, you know, take Peter on the day of Pentecost. He stood up and preached, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and a whole bunch of people got saved. And the Bible says that God wrought special miracles, you know, in his life. So as to even if his shadow was cast upon a sick person, they got healed. Now that, my friend, is powerful. Talk about the presence of God. I mean, all of a sudden, everything has changed. God is using this man in a powerful kind of way. But if you read in the book of Galatians, the second chapter, the Bible says that Paul rebuked Peter. You ever read that? And the reason was is because, and this is so interesting to me, because Peter was the one that God used in in Acts chapter 10 to bring the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. Remember the story about Cornelius and the vision that that Peter had up on the rooftop and said, three men seek you, go with them, doubt nothing. He goes, you know, and preaches. And while he's preaching there in about verse 45, the Holy Ghost fell on these Gentiles and they started speaking with other tongues. You know, they said, well, you can't do that. You're a Gentile. Yeah, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you can do a lot of things. And so all of a sudden, he realizes that God has opened the door to this people. Well, they went down the road, you know, Acts chapter 15, and there was a bunch of Judaizers that basically, they probably got, they probably got saved and they were in the church, but they came from the Pharisees. And Pharisees are legalistic. And they started preaching that you can't get saved unless you get circumcised by the, you know, under the law of Moses. And they went down to Antioch and they were preaching this stuff and Peter was down there. And when he seen him come, he basically just became a coward. Even though all of these things had happened in his life, even all this ministry that had taken place, even though God used him as an instrument to bring all of this in, when these guys came because of their influence, huh? And because of what it is that they were saying, The Bible says that he separated himself from the Gentiles and started acting like these knotheads. Are you with me? And so when Paul got to him, he said, I rebuked him to his face. He said, you know, I always thought that it was by grace through faith that we got saved. Now all of a sudden, you're telling everybody that you got to keep the law of Moses. I mean, it was, read it. It's in chapter 2 there of Galatians. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring it up because I'm talking about an individual 
who needed a lot of help and probably had a lot of XX baggage, and, and we're no different. Are you listening to me? And yet in all of this, God used him. I mean, before it was over with, he wrote two letters. They're in the back of the book by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So no matter what it is that you've done, I'm telling you what, there's still hope, and God wants to work in your life in a powerful kind of way. He wants to work in your marriage. He wants to work with you and your relationship with your kids and your money and everything that is involved where your life is concerned because he wants you to live in victory. Hallelujah. And so it becomes an important part of each and every one of our lives. But here's the thing. Notice this. Jesus never, in all of the things I described, he never wrote Peter off saying, that's it, I'm done. We quoted it, we, we confessed it earlier this morning. The Lord is good, His mercy endures forever. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Huh? The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all His works. That's the God that you and I serve. Now the devil may be telling you something else, but we know the truth because that's what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to try to bring this to a close. I know that you lost an hour, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best here. So, you know, I ask you that question, is there one thing that maybe we could do? I'd like to suggest to you this morning, there may be a number of things, but the secret to success, uh, successful living and living in victory is for you and I to learn to walk in love, huh? To love as he loved us. Are you with me? Let's look at this verse of scripture if you got your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter five and verse one. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Y'all doing all right? Just stay with me here for a little bit lo uh, longer, okay? Hallelujah. Verse one, imitate God therefore, the New Living Translation says, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So, I got another question for you, you ready? This is what the Bible tells us to do. It tells us, you know, to walk in love as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for us. But here's the question I have for you. What is it that drives that discipline? What is it that, that drives that behavior in our life? And I'd like to suggest to you it's not just because of the fact he said that we should do it. I'd like to suggest to you that, that there's something more far-reaching that causes you and I to do the things that Jesus has asked us to do. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning that what that is, is having the conscious awareness of how much he loves you. Now, I was saved when I was 19 years old. I got born again on the 27th day of August of 1975, five. And when I met him, 
I didn't know anybody in all my life that loved me like he did. It wrecked me. How could he? You know, you, take, you talk about Peter, and dude, it, 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 was, it was an encounter that he couldn't handle. And it's that same Jesus that came to you and loved you wherever you were in what it is that he had done. And, and uh, you know, the thing that was so overwhelming about you guys is I knew me. I knew who I was. I knew what I had done and did and, and how I was. And, and in a moment, he <laughs> changed me. And he's the only one that can do that. Transform me from the inside out. And I thought to myself, my God, how can he, how can he love me like that? But he does. I said he does. And he loves you the same way. Hallelujah. I just, I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. I've told you the story before, but I called Jeff Tanker. I said, dude, what has gone on? What happened to me? He said, what are you talking about? Well, you know, and then I explained to him what happened. He said, well, you've been born again. I said, born what? Born again. You know, when you really love someone, you don't want to disappoint them. So what is it that drives the discipline in our lives to do what it is that he's asked us to do? If you're fully conscious of him and what it is he's done for you, you don't want to disappoint him. It's just like my wife and I. I mean, I don't want to do anything to disappoint her. Are you listening to me? Why? Because I love her. And I want the best for her in every way and everything. I don't want her to lack for anything. I want her to feel secure. I want her to have resources. I want her to, you know, if she wants to buy something, be able to buy it or, you know, whatever. Why? Because I love her. Amen. And I don't want to be a disappointment. I, I you know, I repent to her pretty regularly about the way I was, you know, when we were first dating. I was an idiot, you know. And, and sometimes when I think about the way I behaved, I, I'm so ashamed. You know, I told you the story about the fact when I, I mean, I didn't even have a good plan to, 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 to um, ask her hand in marriage. We're driving down the road, dude. Hey, well, what do you think? You want to? I mean, you talk about lackluster. And, and thank God she had enough, you know, character on the inside of her to say, are you, are you saying you want to get married? Yeah, yeah, well, let's do that. <laughs> I remember these two. You guys were a mess. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I remember we married them over there in the, it's in the uh, youth room right now. And Jenny, I mean, you know, she was just in another world. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, we're getting married. Okay, great. Hey, how's it going? You know, whatever. But here they are, how many years? It'll be 38 in August. 38 in August. Amen. And these two, when he came, Zach came, she'd left him. Isn't that right? And you had the boy? Yeah. And Zach came in and he was a wreck. And he was a mess. And then he met Jesus. 
And I told him, I said, if you'll follow Jesus, if you'll obey him, if you'll do what he tells you to do, God will turn your mourning into joy and he'll give you beauty for ashes. And guess what? She came back. And then she got saved. Hey, yeah, give him a big old hand. That's great. How long have you guys been married? How many? Ten years. Okay. Has everything just been perfect? You mean it has been it hadn't been some like euphoric kind of thing? Huh? No. But again, when you love somebody, you don't want to disappoint them. Are you with me? And I think the thing, again, that drives me in all of that, I, I mean, I, you have to think about how much he loves you. And when you think about how much he loves you, then you forget about everything you think you want or need or whatever your demands might be or whatever the case might be, because that's where the problem is. We get ourselves on our hands. Are you listening to me? Can I get an affirmative something, an a, a weak amen or anything? Yeah. Um, Jesus made this statement. He says, greater love has no man than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. And then he went on to say, you are my friends if you do whatever I've told you to do. So that's where victory is. You want to have victory? And that's what has to happen, you know. Now listen to this statement. This is important because... We're talking about not wanting to disappoint someone. Disappointments increase when we forget about him. And then you start developing this pattern of disappointment. And then the devil comes along and says, you, my friend, are an idiot. And you're worthless. And you don't count. And you got nothing going on. And you're this and that and the other. What's that called? It's called condemnation. Even though the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And so what we end up doing is we, we end up, does this make any sense to you? We end up being led down this primrose path by hell that brings destruction and separation and all kinds of messed upness in our lives. And we miss out. Oh, how we miss out. You know, neglected opportunities bring regret. And thank God you're here today. And maybe there's an area in your life or this or that or the other, you know, that needs to. But here's, at the end of the day, you guys, we just need to return to our first love. Huh? You want to have victory? Get back to with him. Walk with him. Obey him. Serve him. And the way you serve him is by serving others. Huh? You know, um, I'm concluding. How am I doing? I'm not doing bad. My son preaches at least this long, so I'm doing good. Hallelujah. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Would you like to have an opportunity? Yes. I want you to, uh, why don't you stand with me first of all. And Linda, if you'd like to come to the piano, you're welcome to do that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Thanks be unto God who gives us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So 
What I want to, I guess, I don't know if it's a challenge necessarily, it's, maybe it's an invitation. And, um, you know, if you've got areas in your life that are torpedoing, yeah, <laughs> yeah that too, <laughs> hallelujah. Torpedoing your life, now's the time to get that squared away. I can't do that for you guys. You know, I mean, if, there, if it's something within your marriage and things of that nature, I, I can't fix that. I can tell you what I just told you, what I know, and I can, I can say, you know, it might be in a relationship with someone, it could be that, it could be, you know, some people, I mean, we're talking about Christians, you know, but sometimes they get, they, they get caught up in chasing money. You know, I'm telling you what, at the end of that road is going to be nothing but disappointment. People have made bad choices and decisions all because of money. And you're not taking any of it with you. Are you listening to me? And while you're chasing it, you might lose a whole lot more. I know, you know, we all need resource. We need money, you know, in order to live. But but here's the thing, let's make sure that we have things in their proper order. Are you with me? Because you, you can sit on a boatload of money, big old pile of money, have all kind of money. But I mean, if your kids are in the wind and your wife's no longer to be found and you're in some illicit relationship trying to find some kind of gratification and happiness and all that, you say, well, no, that, that could never happen to me, really. Is that what you think? Then I would say that you probably are the most susceptible to having your life destroyed. You say, well, this isn't very positive. Listen, there are a lot of things that Jesus preached that weren't necessarily real positive, but you have to address the issue. I want you to be like the woman that was taken in adultery, and he said, where are your accusers? Is there no one to condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. I want us to be in a right relationship with God and that we're not, you know, it's so subtle. We, we, we allow these things in our lives. The Bible says, don't ever let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. So if we're nitpicking and we're fighting and we're biting and we're kicking and all that, we need to stop that because we're giving him, the devil, place in our lives. Does that make sense to you? And again, this, I'm not saying this because I'm here to condemn you. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this so that we can get our eyes opened up and say, wow, that needs to stop. We got to do something different here. I got to change course and I have to move in a diff different direction. So I'd like for you, if you would, please just to bow your heads with me for a moment. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your blessing. Hallelujah. Father, to the best of my ability, I've endeavored to communicate these things to these, your people. And now, Father God, I can only I can only allow, Father, your spirit to do what only he can do in each and every one of our lives. I pray for those that are here within the sound of my voice, those that are watching online. 
I bear them before you, Father God, and I know that Jesus came so they could have victory over death, hell, and the grave. But I know, Father, that he also provided for them an abundant life. And sometimes I realize, Father, that because we uh, we just, our lives get confused about everything that's going on and we kind of lose sight and track of whatever it is that's going on, Father, and we miss your best. But Father, as an act of our will, as a choice from our hearts, we choose to return to you. And God, I pray that as when we pray together, that Father, each and every one of us will recognize how much you care about us what it is you want to do in our lives. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. And you know, when I, I've, I've shared with you these different things and, and to each and every person, it will have a different application where your life is concerned. And so I'm just asking you as a, as a brother in Christ, that if in fact this is an area in your life that you recognize needs to be changed that today right now when we pray that you will lay that down you'll you'll give it up maybe it's unforgiveness maybe it's jealousy maybe it's some kind of an offense that someone has had towards you maybe it's well I don't know maybe it's condemnation that's just been beating the daylights out of you Maybe it's blame that you've placed on someone else as, as being the problem. But no, not today, not today, not today. Your eyes have been opened and you've seen the truth. And there can be permanent change within your life right here, right now when we pray. I want you just simply to, as a church, I want you just simply repeat this prayer after me. Hallelujah, and just let it come out of your own heart. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father. I come to you today and I thank you so much for how much you love me. Thank you for your love. And today, Father, I bring my life to you and I surrender it all in the name of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for my shortcomings. I ask you to help me to be the person that you would have me to be. And I thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Hallelujah. Now just lift one hand up toward heaven and just thank him for his blessing in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you're good to all. And sure, tender mercies are over all of your works. We are your workmanship, Father. Hallelujah. We are created in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you for working in us that which is good. I thank you for the blessing of God upon the house and upon the church and for its members and those, Father, who've made it their home. And I pray, Father, in these weeks, months, and even years ahead, Father, that great grace will rest upon the church and rest upon the families, the homes, and the individuals that are represented here. Father, I thank you for causing them to flourish, that there's such a grace on their life because of their willingness and their choice, Father, to follow you. 
I thank you, Lord, for strengthening them with might by your spirit in their inner man. That God, by the, by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they'll resist the devil and he will flee from them. Thank you, Lord, for victory in every one of their lives. Father, we'll settle for nothing less. Thank you, Lord God, for bringing peace. Yes, peace and kindness to the hearts of each and every one. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for making everything new. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. And would you just uh, maybe continue to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? <clears throat> we don't, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we don't want to take anything for granted. But there may be a person or persons here today and you've never ever made a decision to receive Christ. I shared that scripture with you earlier that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some people have the mistaken idea that salvation is a matter of fate, that it is, you know, maybe they call it eternal destiny or whatever it is, they give a name for it. But the Bible makes it clear that we have a choice, a decision to make. Hallelujah. So if you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, you never asked him to be the Lord of your life, never asked him to forgive you of all your sins. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. So if you've never been born again and you say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't, I don't really think honestly that I've ever made that decision or that commitment. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look across the crowd? We don't want to take anything for granted, but if someone's here and you haven't asked him to come into your heart, we want to give you that opportunity. I was never so glad as when somebody gave me the opportunity to receive him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if you're away from God, maybe you're a child of God, but you haven't been living for God, and you say, well, pastor, after today, I, I, I want to get things squared away here, and I want to do right. If that's you, raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Praise God. We'll believe God with you. Amen. Anybody all? Good. Well, I believe we're in, we're in good company. Praise the Lord. You can look up here. Well, how many are glad you came? I'm glad you came too. Amen. Because... Uh, you know, we're living in the last days, man, time's short. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Everybody that's ever had a visitation from heaven, any kind of an encounter from God here of late, every time Jesus will say, tell them I'm coming soon. Amen. So let's get ready. Amen. Let's make sure, praise God, we got our lamps trimmed and our lights are burning and hallelujah. If he's looking, we're not going to be hard to find. Amen. Praise God. Well, I think that's about it then. We got everything covered? Yeah, good. Well, let's stand up. 1114. Wow, what a deal. Actually, it's 1014, but who, who's keeping track? Amen. Praise God. Listen, Joan and I and Pastor Brian and Pastor, uh, Rachel, we love you guys. And we're so glad you're a part of this church. We're grateful for your being here. Thank God you take the time and drive from wherever it is you come from. You know, somebody was, I was talking to, 
somebody here of late and they say, well, you know, people, you know, they drive all over to come to your church. I said, well, you know, within reason anyway. I said, we got some folks from down in Nottaway and up by Guthrie Center and, you know, maybe in Western uh, Omaha or something like that that attend the church. We're just grateful for every one of you. Amen. We thank God for you. Hallelujah. And I tell you, our best years are in front of us. Your best years are in front of you. Things that God wants to do. I mean, I know that, you know, there's all kinds of hell going on, you know, on the East Coast and Washington and that type of thing. But, you know, Jesus knew all about that before we got here. So just rejoice, keep your eyes on him, and do the right thing, and you'll be blessed. Amen? All right. Well, we're going to have a good week. Can you say amen? amen. And then also, we're going to, uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, yeah, midweek. Jenny's preaching. You preaching this, this Wednesday? Yeah. Come here, man. I mean, we'll set her up here on a stump, light her on fire, and you guys can watch her burn. <laughs> can you say amen? Now, here's another thing, and, and I wouldn't do this, of course, to embarrass them, but you ought to know this. Daryl Nadine Danker here with Lori, and that must be a grandson or something like that. Is that right? Is that fair? This couple is where this church started. It's in their home. 34 people showed up. Didn't know whether, you know, didn't know whether 10 would show up. My wife was all in, and Daryl and Nadine was there, so I knew we had four, but thank God we had 34. And then it went to 50, and then we just kind of crowded ourselves out of their home, and we moved to another home for eight more months. We were there in their home for three months. And then we moved to another place, and then we ended up up here. So Daryl and Nadine, wow. God bless you guys. These guys... I walked into a church with hair down in the middle of my back and most people said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm after her. <laughs> I mean, I didn't tell them that. But most of them said, what are you doing here? But that couple right there, they didn't do that. They, they loved me just like I was and dude, I was a mess. But they helped me get into the kingdom of God and I'm forever grateful for that. So, woo, glory to God. 45 years later, here we are. And we're just going to keep on keeping on, and Jesus is going to be Lord. Can you say amen? amen? All right, turn, give somebody a big old hug, and let them know you love them with the love of the Lord, and you can be dismissed.